Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, y'all. Seven Rounds in Heaven is back. We're brought to you by the Armchair Media Network. The Jacksonville Jaguars have locked up Trevor Lawrence. It is I, Rob Paul, a.k.a the master of the transfer portal and with me as always is aj two i ain't no bust marchese oh let's get into two in a bit here rob big conversation to have today we're talking all the nfl rookies who thrived and struggled in week 16 let's hit it seven 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 rounds in heaven with my baby Driving up to Cleveland maybe Looking for a Lawrence or Sewell Don't draft specialists on the first day Don't draft specialists on the second day Maybe draft a punter in the six We'll see Let's go seven rounds Let's go seven rounds together. Let's go seven rounds forever. And that's a song. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. AJ, since the last time we spoke, which was like 24 hours ago, there have only been two official declarations by my eye. Uh, let's hear them, Rob. Both pass rushers from the ACC, uh, Duke's Chris Rumpf II and Florida State's Joshua Kando. Whoa. Uh, Chris Rumpf, interesting. I, I guess his stock, he's a bit of a slider this year, right? Because he was... Pretty big productive last year and had a lot of hype coming to the year. And he, I don't know, just kind of all fizzled out. I, I I think part of the problem was, like, no one – first of all, no one watches Duke games uh, very often. So I, th- I think over the summer he was a guy a lot of people kind of looked – he was pretty productive as a sophomore at Duke. They dove into the tape. They liked yeah. what they saw. They were excited for the season. And then they don't – like, nobody really watched – Duke play so it just kind of yeah I think it fizzled out a little bit more so not because of his play just because no one really had eyes yeah. on Duke's games he also I don't know if you remember because the ACC obviously started before a lot of other conferences um they played Notre Dame Boston College those first two weeks and he kind of he struggled in both those games 
Um, I remember uh, Chase Bryce also struggling. <laughs> no, wrong. He didn't transfer for another time. Um, Chase Bryce is going to thrive at App State. I'm the transfer portal king. I send all the players to the right places. Um, Good work, Rob. But Rumpf also had a couple big games uh, later later this year for them. Uh, he, but he's going to be interesting because, yeah, he lacks size. He's clearly a very twitchy athlete. He was kind of deployed weird at Duke. There were uh, there were games on his 2019 tape where like he would line up and like almost choose where he wanted to rush from. Like almost yeah, no, um, like an off ball linebacker and just blitzing yeah. whatever gap he chose before the snap. It was weird. Um, are you calling him a, a a riser in the process, Rob? Is that what I'm hearing from you right now? I don't know because. Like, I think he's going to test well, but how much does that mean if he comes in at, like, cause he's listed at 235, and I don't know if he weighed that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> he needed the uh, the quarantine pounds, which, I mean, hopefully hopefully he'll get some more up there uh, from January to, to February. And then with Kando, this is a guy who was a five-star, like, big, big mm-hmm. hype going uh, to Tallahassee. First two years was a solid rotational player. Got hurt as a junior uh, in 2019 and redshirted. Then still a lot of hype before this season, and he battled through injuries, and obviously the program didn't play all that well, and his production. He's like almost like, you know how last episode we were talking about uh, Jason Away, like production versus uh, uh, projection. It's going to be a similar thing with Kando, but like a day three version almost. Because he's like yeah. 6'6", 260, freak athlete. You can see it on tape. Um, and you can see he's clearly got the tools to be an NFL-level pass rusher. Uh, but again, like he just – the injury history, the lack of production, there's just so many things working against him. Um, but at the same time, I, like it's hard to fault him for wanting to get out of that program and just – take his shot at the NFL now. And I, he's a guy who, if he gets the combine invite, and I hope he does, and I think he should, yeah, uh, he could really kind of build some uh, draft buzz there. And we do, uh, especially on the defensive line, we always see those uh, like five-star big recruits who are kind of disappointments at their uh, respective colleges. Uh, we do end up seeing them get drafted, though. Like It's usually day three, even if they don't produce very much. Uh, the NFL always takes shots on those guys. Yeah, because you're the, those are the types of athletes at that position, especially that you're willing to bet on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple senior bowl invites that seem like it probably just to def- def- fill at the uh, end of the roster. Maybe uh, I don't know how many no, more we're gonna it, get. I, I, it was it was because Jim uh, Jim heard us not have any invites yesterday, and he wanted to give us some content. Correct. I'll read through them all. You know the you know the drill. Uh, Clemson receiver Cornell Powell, Louisville receiver Des Fitzpatrick, Iowa offensive lineman Alaric Jackson, Middle Tennessee offensive lineman Robert Jones, Purdue linebacker Derek Barnes, Texas Christian linebacker Garrett Wallow, and Michigan long snapper Cameron Cheeseman. <laughs> uh, I think the the top two names for me. Uh, first and foremost, Alaric Jackson, who's been on our radar for, I don't know, eternity, infinitively now. Like, we've been talking about him for so many years, and and he's been starting at Iowa for so goddamn long. And uh, I, I, I still like I still like what you see from Alaric Jackson. Obviously, he never turned into that um, 
potential first round guy that that we saw as what a, a sophomore um, a couple years ago, but he's been a really productive du- dude. And um, I could still like going to the Senior Bowl uh, is that's a really good. Uh, Really good chance for Larry Jackson to kind of help himself. Yeah, I'm hoping he, he's playing guard there because I think he's a guard in the NFL. Um, but yeah. like 6'6", 330, this is a, a great opportunity for him to kind of maybe be a fourth-round type uh, guard that people kind of, again, fall in love with. Because, yeah, we've been watching him since 2017. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I, I think the second most interesting guy is uh, Cornell Powell, the Clemson yes. receiver, who yes. – um, Who's, who's kind of just suddenly emerged this year as a senior, finally getting his chance with, you know, the all that talent that's moved on and the opt-outs of, like, Justin Ross and such. Oh, the injuries to Justin Ross. Um, and, yeah, he's been fantastic. And I, I kind of – I think he's going to keep keep it going in the in the playoffs. This could be a hot name going forward. And I'm not saying a hot name like he's going to get into the first round, but a hot name that maybe he gets into the early-ish day three. He's, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, he's kind of been with – you mentioned Justin Ross, uh, Justin Ross having to sit the year out. Uh, he's been kind of their replacement with Ross and Higgins gone as the deep the deep threat, really. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. Amari Rogers one of the better slots in college football. Great yak player. Uh, but it, Powell's been like that outside deep threat, especially because a lot of their younger receivers just didn't really step up. Um, mm-hmm. we heard, we heard hype about a whole heap of them and none of them really took that leap this year. Uh, but yeah, Powell, who was also a big recruit who kind of yep. uh, just trusted the process, I guess, under Dabo Sweeney dealt with injuries, dealt with being behind NFL level wide receivers. And then finally, this was the year he got to take on a starting role and he is not disappointed. I'm, I, I'm with you. He's a guy who I, I think you've talked about a couple times on the show who just, who's kind of quietly maybe the next Clemson receiver to get uh, drafted. Yeah, I think so too. And like Amari Rogers had a pretty damn good year for himself too. I think he, he's kind of reignited his stock a bit. Not, not to the extent that remember as a what sophomore that we saw uh, whispers of, I guess. Uh, but no, that, both of them have definitely helped themselves a lot this year. If you, you know, it's crazy. If you look at, um, the Clemson's all-time receiving history. I've just lately I've been going down these, uh, you know, like sports reference. Where you can look at the yep. school history and you can look at like the all-time pass through yeah. roster and stuff. I've been going down these holes, just looking at different random schools. And uh, if you look at the uh, Clemson top twenty receiving yards uh, in school history, like I think over half of them have been under Dabo Sweeney. Which I mean, it makes sense in in the in terms of the the like. It's way more pass happy these days, but also like Dabo. Yeah. Dabo's a receiver guy, and you just look at how consistently yep. they've developed these guys under him. Like Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Williams, Artavis Scott, T. Higgins, um, Hunter Renfro, Murray Rogers, Deion Kane, my King, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Justin Ross, and uh, Cornell Powell now, and Martavis Bryant. Uh, who? And Martavis Bryant. And, yeah. AJ, wait, AJ, <laughs> who's, AJ, who's give, let, no, AJ, let me tell you one more. Okay. Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, you mean Ray Ray McDonald, like who was the the CBS crew was calling him a couple weeks ago? Anyways, uh, DB1 and wide receiver one. What a king. Uh, who, who's number one? Is, is Sammy number one all the time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By uh, okay. over 300 yards, uh, he is one. But, uh, DeAndre Hopkins behind him. 
Right, that makes a lot of sense. The, and they're tied with all those two and T Higgins are tied for the most touchdowns at twenty seven. But guess who has the Touch most ca- the, ca- the catches? Guess who has the most catches in Clemson history? Hunter Renfro, Artavis Scott. Oh, really? Okay, should be yeah. Hunter Renfro. Guess who? Uh, I uh, no, I gotta stop. It's like yesterday with me in the transfer portal. I gotta get out of this. Yeah, I don't think this. <laughs> Taj Boyd QB one. That's all I gotta say. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do an episode on my own later in the season without telling you, where I just read through stats off schools' all time leading boards. I in the summer I was looking at a lot of Big East all time leading everything stats <laughs> for our Instagram. We're gonna do the Big East episode one day. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> We've been saying that for two years. Anyways, uh, let's get into the show, Rob. Uh, okay, week 16, rookie uh, rundown. Start with the quarterbacks, of course. Um, we had, once again, we had three. Tua, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Tua, obviously, got benched against the Raiders. Fitz Magic came in, made magic as he does. Insane game, insane ending. Fitz pulled it off. Tua, the benching... I mean, if they lose that game, I think it would be more of a hot topic that Flores pulled them. But because they won mm-hmm. and Fitzmagic made magic, it was less of a topic. Uh, he, he threw for 94 yards, a touchdown, 77%, but 4.2 yards per attempt. And I guess the the big takeaway from this week that everybody's saying is it's almost he just doesn't seem comfortable because guys aren't getting Alabama open. They're getting NFL open, and that is NFL open doesn't look open because that's just the way it is in the NFL. And he's kind of slow to pull the trigger, I guess, not overly yeah. aggr- aggressive. But at the same time, there are so many flaws in the play calling uh, with Chan Gailey. Yep. They clearly look like they opened up the offense so much more when they put Fitzmagic in because him and Gailey have a long history and maybe Gailey doesn't trust the rookie too, too much. Um, And also the lack of playmakers around him, the young offensive line. There's so many things working against Tua. Um, I don't think this is a Josh Rosen situation, Um, especially because Brian Flores is going to be back as head coach. Chris Greer is going to be back as GM. Um, it, it's not the same. Like, they brought in Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, and he led the charge for Kyler Murray. Um, Tua, also, by all accounts, great guy. Great guy in the locker room. Uh, Fitz seems to love him, too. And, and he has not been – he's handled this really well, I think, for a, a, a rookie quarterback, the twice being benched. Um, and he's going to start the final week of the season, playoffs on the line. Um I don't, I, it's just such a strange situation. It's hard to kill Tua because, like, he's throwing to fucking Jakeem Grant, who's, like, bobbling. Okay, hold, hold on. Bobbling no drag routes with no one please. within 10 yards. <laughs> it should be first downs. <laughs> like, Mike Gusecki played this week, but outside of him, like, the how like how comfortable are you? Like, Miles Gaskin's the go-to pass catcher. Mac Hollins is playing and making plays. But uh, for, for the most, like, I, I don't know. It's just a shitty situation. I I think a lot of the issue is Chan Gailey and the lack of talent around Tua. And, and on top of I, Tua being yeah. a little trigger shy and not maybe – there seems like a lack of trust between Tua and the playmakers and the play calling in Tua. 
Yeah, um, I think that's a good little rundown of it. I, I definitely don't think this is a Josh Rosen situation. Mm-hmm. Although it kind of felt like we've seen some people saying should the Dolphins pick a quarterback because they're picking top five now. Uh, I think that's silly. The, um, the it, thing it's definitely look, sorry. Let me jump in. The ahead, thing yeah. with the thing with that too is ignoring this season. You watch Tua's Alabama tape, and you watch who, who QB two and or well, not even QB two because not like it's not. I guess J- Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones. Like Tua's tape is better. Yeah, exactly. Silent. Exactly. And, and, and like you just laid out, it, I, I think there is something to say that Changeli is, uh, one, not a great OC, and two, uh, calling the plays a little bit different for Fitzpatrick and Tua. Um, and, yeah, like you said, the playmakers haven't been good. Parker's been banged up all year. And, but we have seen Tua um, trusting guys. and like He threw a touchdown to, into triple coverage to make a secchi, uh was it two weeks ago, last week? Like, We've seen him pull the trigger sometimes, but yeah, I think there is definitely. Um, he's a rookie, man. Like he's also. We can't, it's we not, can't forget that. Like it's not like he's played yeah, go ahead. horribly for seven weeks in a row, right? Like he's had. No. Like if you go back to that Arizona game, or even even uh, I guess the Chargers, where he's just super efficient. Like we've seen the flashes of what he can do. The Bengals game too. Like if you yeah, he has started eight games. I would say he's had four good rookie performances. That's uh, obviously that is half. Um, that's that's pretty good for a rookie with not a lot around him, with a rookie left you know, tackle, with a rookie right guard, with poor play calling, yeah. with Chan Gailey being so fucking stuck in his ways that he's not willing to take parts of that Alabama offense and implement it into this this offense for the Dolphins to make that transition easier. If you look like yeah. Jalen Hurts inserted in the Eagles offense, Doug Peterson's calling quarterback run plays, things that Jalen Hurts is comfortable with. You look at Justin Herbert, who is magnificent on the play-action deep shots. Shane Steichen's calling those. There's just there yep. seems to be like oh and, and before Joe Burrow got hurt, Zach Taylor was going maybe too often going to that LSU five wide empty set, um, <laughs> and then you you look at this and it's just so much like I don't know what to call it. They're like pussyfooting around on offense. It's a lot of like little dump offs, little drags. Like they're not spreading it out. They're they're not taking advantage of Tua's athleticism too often. Like Tua's not a blazing runner. But he is a very good quarterback on the move as a passer, and like those things are just not there. I don't know, I, but you, I just think Chan Gailey you know is even not worse. I one hundred percent agree, and I, even to go further to your point, uh, we've seen them use his athleticism in glimpses and then just stop doing it. So it's yeah, the play calling has been so bad because, like you said, they they haven't built to two strengths, and then even when we've seen him do things well, they haven't gone back to the well. Exactly. So it's just been it's it's kind of been completely stupid. And look again, uh, our expectations for rookie quarterbacks are too high now. Yeah, uh, and because we've seen so many great great rookie quarterbacks, Justin Herbert doesn't help the cause for Tua. Um, and let's not forget, he didn't have a preseason. He had a weird ass off season, and he wasn't fully healthy. That's you also, can't write Tua off yet, the, and he hasn't been that bad. The, I think that like. <laughs> Him coming off the hip injury has been undersold because he came back so quickly. Like, 
it's not yeah, really exactly. even mentioned. It's it's kind of forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, to me, you just kind of throw this game out. I mean, uh, <laughs> it was a sh- like a, not a fun game to watch until like the last three minutes, and it just became a shit show. Um, and yeah. I don't know. I I I can't give up on Tua until he's given a chance with better play calling, uh, and and better play pass catchers around him. They're gonna have two first round picks. One of them should be a receiver. At least one of them should be a receiver. Um, plus that again, that the offensive, offensive line, line is gonna be better next year. Exactly, yeah. like you mentioned, Tua didn't have that. Didn't have a preseason. Didn't have a proper training camp. Neither did left tackle Austin Jackson, who's a rookie. Neither did right guard Solomon Kinley, who's a rookie. Neither did uh, Robert Hunt, who's a rookie. That's three guys who are rookies on that offensive line that should be starting next year. Uh, and we'll have yeah, way more time exactly. to be prepared for the season. Um, okay, before we, we're done with Tua Talk, I, I put down a list of yeah. Dolphins OC options. Would you like to hear them? Let's let's hear them. So hold on. Can we start the conversation with, do you think they're going to move on from Chad No, Gilly? not at all. I don't think so either. But let's hear the what we what could be, Rob. <laughs> um, okay, some of them are random. Some of them have connections to Belichick and therefore Brian Flores. Um, okay, Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin would be at the top of any offensive coordinator list yeah. for me. So he's on here. He also works for Two, Kirby that, Smart, who worked for Nick Saban, who is Belichick's best friend. Um, that's too too good of a hire, yeah. No yeah, I, yeah. I think Todd Munkin's gonna be a head coach in college football in two years. So, uh, Bill O'Brien, I I couldn't not put his name down because of the Patriots connection, uh, and he's out of work. Okay, as a pure offensive coordinator, that'd be a pretty good hire. Um, I mean, he's better. As... No matter what we say, he's better than Chan Gailey. Plus, he like he did exactly. he did a good job with Deshaun Watson, obviously. Yeah, and and I think there is uh like like obviously Tua is not the same athlete, but I think there's a lot of similarities between uh, Watson and Tua. Um, yeah, so just if 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 Bill O'Brien was named anything else, I think that'd be a really good hire. Uh, Chargers quarterback coach Pep Hamilton, who I think's done a fantastic job with Justin Herbert. He's been around college football. Been and around they, for a long time. Yeah, and he's you know yeah. he's only forty six. That blew me away. Yeah, no, I, he's always been like a younger dude, and he's—I think he's been coaching in football since we've started watching football. Like, yeah, like he—he he, um, obviously he he worked under Harbaugh at Michigan. Um, yeah, he worked uh, with the Colts as the OC with Andrew Luck for a bit, and he was at Stanford with Harbaugh. Yeah, he—he's been around the block, and I think he's quietly done. If you look at that, I mean, say what you will about Anthony Lynn and Shane Steichen as of late, but. In terms of court, pure quarterback development, uh, I think he's had a huge hand in what Justin Herbert's been able to do, and he's not often mentioned. I think yeah. he's deserving of at least a chance to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, that's a good one, and a definite upgrade over uh, Chan Gailey. Wide receiver coach for the Colts, Mike Grow, who was obviously mm-hmm. with the Eagles, um, and yep. before that, he, he twice coached for Nick Saban at Alabama. So I think that's a little interesting. His name's his name's been circulated a little bit for like OC jobs and like like quietly. Uh, Steelers QB coach Matt Canada because we always have to plug Matt Canada trying to get him a job. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The king, yeah. Colts quarterback coach Marcus Brady, who's another guy who I think's done quietly done a really nice job, Um, and he played quarterback in the CFL, so it's also a bump. Sick. 
Um, obviously, the Jaguars, the J- Jaguars coaching staff is going to be gone. What about Jay Gruden? Okay. I think Jay Gruden's done a, like, a, a pretty commendable job this season. Right? Like, Jay, Jay Gruden, I think, will be at least being interviewed for offensive coordinator jobs next year or this offseason. Yeah, because, like, if you look at their offense in a vacuum and the play calling, I think he's done a pretty solid job. Uh, and then my final two, which I think are unattainable, and I kind of put them here together, 49ers um, – Passing game coordinator Mike LaFleur and run game coordinator yeah. Mike McDaniel. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's boys. Um, I mean, LaFleur was almost poached by his brother, but Shanahan stopped it. Uh, but if uh, you would think at this point, like they probably want a shot at play calling and they've been around the league and they're two of the hotter names. I think they're probably both going to get head coaching looks down the road. Uh, yeah. You, you would think they'd want to get. Um, at least play calling duty somewhere at some point, if possible. No, that's fair. I mean, look, I, when they moved to Changeli, I was shocked to be honest. Uh, and it, I, I don't think it's worked out. I don't, I don't really understand the whole thing. I, I hope for Tua and the Dolphins sake that they, um, they move on. Um, and I, I guess a lot of it's going to come down to if they make the playoffs and what they look like if they get in. Chan Gilly was brought in to turn Miles Gaskin to CJ Spiller. <laughs> and God damn it, he's done it. Uh, okay, okay. Justin Herbert. Um, he played the Broncos. I had this game. It was very, very nice start for the Chargers. Um, I, I think they were up, what, 16-3? But they managed to let Denver all the way back into tight for Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler put the team on their backs. Led uh, the Chargers in the field goal range. Won the game. Uh, the Chargers have won, I think, what, four straight one-score games now? They no longer have a top-ten pick. I don't know if Anthony Lynn's going to get fired anymore. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, but Justin Herbert... I feel like I, I, I... Sorry, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. I, I had, like, zero eyes on this game. I just saw the score pretty much. Um, how was the play calling in this one? Talking more about play calling. It was well. It's it's so. I think that the problem is like Austin Eckler's clearly not healthy, but he's mm-hmm. like broken Austin Eckler's their best running back by far. Um, like yeah, he, he, he most his yards came on that final drive. Uh, yeah. he he also caught the touchdown early in the game that gave Justin Herbert the rookie touchdown passing record. Um. They, they, there was like you saw some of those deep, like deep comebacks, deep crossers. Also, keep in mind, Keenan Allen wasn't playing. Um, so yeah. that I think that had a big role in kind of less, less efficiency, we'll say. Uh, there was a couple like he, they, they really got Steven Anderson and Donald Parham, the, the tight ends. Hunter Henry wasn't playing either, by the way. So that's two of your three mm-hmm. best playmakers out. Um, but they got Steven Anderson and Donald Parham involved pretty well. They they were using them a ton in the play-action passing game. Um, and the, they both were creating big plays. Uh, it wasn't – I guess it was less of the classic deep – like, you know how, like, it feels like every time you watch a Chargers game, there's at least a couple deep, deep throws to Jalen Geithner, Tyron Johnson? Yeah. Those those None weren't yeah those weren't really there. I think they because it was partially because they built up that lead so quickly. Um, yeah, it, like it it was sixteen three, 
going into the fourth quarter. And, and like, they, it never felt like Denver couldn't move the ball. Jerry Judy, later on, I'll talk about this too, was dropping absolutely everything. And, like, Drew Locke wasn't playing well. So it felt like they got they kind of built up this 10-0 lead pretty early. And they were just very, very conservative after that. Um, yeah, and then they go into the fourth quarter at 16-3. The Broncos finally kind of get going. And then uh, final final Chargers drive, they uh, Herbert and Ostak, they kind of carry them down the field, get get the money badger in field goal range, and you know the money badger man doesn't miss. <laughs> we've seen them go into this uh, like since since Eckler's come back, we've seen I don't know like I think there's been like two games where um they've gone into this Eckler pass happy dump off uh, approach. And it's, it's, I don't know, I don't, I don't really enjoy it, but I can understand more when it's, you know, you have a lead and you're just sitting on it. But I, I, I don't know, when we've seen Herbert uh, been an amazing downfield passer all year, I don't, I don't like being conservative. But maybe, maybe there is a point to say that Anthony Lynn is just trying to save his butt a little bit and play it safe. Well, now I'm interested because, if, I mean, if the draft were today, they they went, they at one point, I think they were picking like fourth or fifth. If the draft were today, yeah. they're picking 12th, so... I'm really interested to see kind of how if they do retain Lynn um, and that's coaching staff, how they kind of go about this off season. But uh, the, like Herbert played, yeah. A, the okay a, thing for them is is that's a good good spot to land a OT two or three. I don't know if Rashawn Slayer is going to be on the board when they pick there, but yeah, Christian Darrisaw maybe. Um, yeah. But, yeah, overall, just in terms of Herbert's performance, he was really efficient. He looked really good early. They Again, they built that lead. They kind of went away from doing too, too much. It was, like, more of a ball control offense game from them. Um, less, again, less deep shots. But every time they call play action, he just looks so good. And he he's so undisturbed mm-hmm. by the pass rush. Uh, so, overall, really, really nice game from them. I think he's been one of the best uh... – um, quarterbacks under pressure this season too, which is super impressive from a rookie. Uh, and then the final game, also me, Jalen Hurts uh, against the Cowboys. Um, kind of maybe now that Philly's slotted to pick six, there's murmurs. Would they take a quarterback even though they've got Jalen Hurts? They've got Carson Wentz under this ridiculous contract. What's the move? I didn't like he he played well and then late kind of turned the ball over a little bit more. I it like. It was it was it was hard to kill him for this game. Like the, they weren't really letting him push the ball very far downfield. He uses his legs well. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was an okay game from him. I I'm not like I don't think you should kill him for it. I mean the turnovers weren't great, but like they they got down quick, or sorry they got up quick. Uh, there, there was the 81 year pass touchdown pass to Deshaun Jackson, which I mean, Carson Wentz ain't doing that. Uh, and then after that, they kind of, they were up 14, three and it just fucking, the, the, the rug was pulled out from under them. They couldn't, their secondary more on this later, their secondary could not stop the Cowboys <laughs> receivers. And then it became like, you get away from when the Eagles with Hertz are at their best, it's like less pressure on needing to hit the big pass and taking advantage of his athleticism, opening up the run game for Miles Sanders because you've got Jalen Hurts' legs. And they kind of had to get away from that. And it didn't feel like they were prepared to get away from that. And then also, like, I mean, we all know the Eagles' pass catchers aren't the best bunch. 
Um, so it was just it was a lot to kind of put on his shoulders. And the Cowboys' offense looked really good. And again, like like nobody could stop Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, or C.D. Lamb. So I don't know. I I I don't think you take a quarterback six. I would because I don't know. Like unless you absolutely love, I agree. unless you absolutely love Justin Fields or love Trey Lance, um, I I think you you give Jalen Hurts the whole offseason as quarterback one. Fuck Carson Wentz, um, and you kind of like it's also dependent on Doug Peterson retaining his job, which is a little bit up in the air. I think he should mm-hmm. maybe not be fired. Like I want to see what Doug Peterson can do with Jalen Hurts for a full off season, maybe get get this offensive line healthy. Hopefully, this pass catching group comes together. But uh, yeah, so I, I I have a hard time killing Jalen Hurts from this game. I thought he looked really good early, I, and when they had yeah. the lead, he looked good. And then as the defense crumbled, he couldn't kind of carry them back. Uh, Jalen Hurts has shown enough for them to not draft a quarterback uh, first in the first round, and like if they do, again, like you said, it have to be someone they fall in love with, or else like, like why'd you draft Jalen Hurts at all? Like this, he's looked about as good as you could hope for being thrown into this into this mess, and like, like you said, I, I think a couple weeks ago it was for firing Doug Peterson, but I, I think the the glimpses we've seen of this offense uh, with with Hurts at the helm. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think you give him another off season and give him another season at least, and see how this all plays out. Because if Hurts uh, isn't the answer, this Eagles team is gonna be bad again, and you're picking high again, so you're getting another shot. It, it's not like they got Trevor Lawrence, you know what I mean? That's why it's, it, a, they're it's gonna only, be looking at QB three. Exactly. Yeah. It's only if they're absolutely like they think Justin Fields or Trey Lance is a Patrick Mahomes or, or franchise quarterback. Um, and the other yeah. thing, this comes back to what you said earlier when we were talking about Tua is. Our expectations are just so high for rookie quarterbacks now. Like, week 15, Jalen Hurts went toe-to-toe with Kyler Murray and looked fantastic. And, Mm -hmm. like, if you look, he has started three games, and he's put up good numbers for a rookie quarterback in those three games. Uh, Especially when you add in what he's done as a uh, on-the-ground game and, like, how much that's opened it up for Miles Sanders. And how much he's been like, kind of at least able to make up for some of the offensive line problems. Like I think what you've seen from Jalen, like, I'm with you. What you've seen from Jalen Hurts in these three starts, and you've got one more against Washington. Uh, I think it's enough to give him a chance to be the guy and give him that full off season in the training camp. And um, I don't know. I love Jalen Hurts though, so I'm a little biased. All, all you have to do to feel good about Jalen Hurts is just go through on any other Eagles game from the season that he didn't start. <laughs> yeah. And I think He's that's been, your Yeah. I mean, his game against Arizona is better than any game that any quarterback had for Philly this year. So. Uh, yeah, correct. <laughs> okay, let's let's get into the non-quarterback talk. Who's your offensive rookie of the week? You know what? I think this was the first week where I didn't have any real stud off, uh, offensive performances like at all. Um, and alternatively, I, I had quite a few guys I could have given to on defense. So it's, it was kind of flipped on its head this week for me. Um, so I really didn't want to do this. And he's also my primetime star. I gave it to A.J. Dillon. I mean, and really, I, I think the the real credit goes to Lafleur because this was just the perfect game to debut AJ Dillon. It's snowing in Lambeau. You're facing Derrick Henry. You're like, hey, we 
we got a baby Derrick Henry. And it just it just all came together. It all added up. The math was perfect. And he, he came up huge. He had what, 124 yards, two touchdowns on uh, 21 carries. I, I think 90 of his yards were after contact. Uh, I saw PFF credit him with nine missed tackle, tackles, which is pretty great. Um, and, hey, he looked good. And, again, I still don't think it was a good draft pick because uh, – Jeremy Chin was like three picks later, and that would help them a lot more this year. And you got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I don't know. They, well, Jones, they have the uh, one Jones... seed. They have the one seed. So how much more could it really have helped them? <laughs> With getting nothing from their first two draft picks, uh, like any draft pick, really. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't like. I don't know. Jones wasn't healthy, and obviously Williams was uh, out. So it was just, just kind of all came together for AJ Dillon, and he he looked good. Um, he also murdered Matt Dickerson dead on his, <laughs> on his touchdown, on one of his touchdowns. He did. He, uh, he, did. he looked that, no, that was the, you're right. That was the most AJ Dillon game possible. We talked about it before it happened and then it happened and it was glorious. Um, I thought about putting him here. I didn't, I did put him for primetime star though. Uh, he, he looked, he looked great. I, I mean, he looks like he can do a ton of damage going forward is it maybe he's the fresh legs in the playoffs for them aj yeah yeah uh, especially it, you know they're they look like they're gonna get the the buy maybe if they don't if they don't bungle it um the, the bears are hungry though but yeah at home in lambo maybe we get another snow game there you never know and yeah it, him being fresh because like aaron jones clearly has been dinged up and uh, Williams is out now, and he, he's gotten a decent amount of uh, tread on the tires this year. Um, yeah, I think that's something to be said. In the cold, in Lambeau, with fresh legs, Dylan could be a factor in the playoffs. 250-pound running back who runs sub-4-5, who's breaking first contact throughout this game constantly. He had a big, the big run. Um, I mean, that, that was his first game with more than five carries this season, and uh, it paid off. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Uh, so again, I didn't really want to do it, but he. he Why not? It. Cause I hate him. Well, I don't hate him, but I don't. I'm I love. A big fan. I love I big like running backs. Big running backs. Are I do sick. too. It's just. Uh, I do. You know, I do. I'm, how many big running backs did I talked about yesterday? But like, I don't know. I don't know. When I'm not in on them, I don't. I don't, I don't know. Were you that low on AJ Dillon? Yeah, I was pretty low on him. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. I, okay. I can pull up my board right now if you want i don't know it's pretty low i don't care i i, I yeah i think i had him in like in like the fourth round uh you're not that low that's probably that's where he should have gone so you know you're you're right on on top of it okay but i mean <laughs> hey second round what is he 62nd he's a king yes uh okay i i went tristan works because i mean that's the most that's the easiest like cop it when you're like ah it's not like a super clear guy but Tristan Wirfs yeah. just dominated the Lions. Uh, Tampa in general dominated the Lions on Saturday. They win 47-7, 588 total yards. Tom Brady had all day, and it made it easy. And, I mean, Tristan Wirfs, he wasn't named to the Pro Bowl, but I'm not going to get into my Pro Bowl issues right now. But he should have been. <laughs> um, I think he is very, like, he should legitimately be considered for Offensive Rookie of the Year. It should be him, Justin Jefferson, and Justin Herbert. Uh, I think nobody was more dominant than Tristan Wirfs as a rookie, um, like week week in week out, and uh, he looks like a future All Pro franchise right tackle. Uh, I cannot believe that his name gets like just because he plays offensive line, his name isn't mentioned in the offensive rookie of the year conversation is ridiculous because he he is being 
playing at an all-pro level for a playoff team, a super, a potential Super Bowl contender, whereas as as dominant as Justin Herbert and Justin Jefferson have been, like neither of their teams are going to the playoffs, and I think that deserves a little more bump for Tristan Wirfs. Let's get that clout going. Like, I don't know. I can't believe that just because he plays a less sexy position, his name isn't mentioned on these lists for offensive rookie of the year. That's ridiculous. I think um, I don't know how to phrase this. Maybe if offensive rookie of the year was more in line with offensive rookie MVP, Tristan Wirfs would win it. Yes, yeah. no one's been more important to their team on a good team than Tristan Wirfs for, as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. like if you look at all three of them, Jefferson, Herbert, and Wirfs, they all look like future top ten players of the position. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, we got one. I mean, I don't even know if I should ask you. There's only one week left. But who who are you voting for for Officer Rookie of the Year right now? Tristan Wirfs. Well, are you going to change your mind next week when we actually have to, or two weeks from when we actually announce our guy? No, I'm going with Tristan Wirfs all day. I don't care. I respect it. Okay. Thank you. I'm uh, abstaining until the official vote. Who's your defensive rookie of the week? Uh, it's the defensive rookie of the year, Chase Young, who was easily, hey, he's usually the cop-out pick, but uh, no, this week he, he fucking, he, he dominated it, man. Like, um, he had that sweet strip sack on Teddy and he recovered it. And he had a near identical play early in the game where he hit Teddy's arm and looked pretty much the same, except Teddy didn't fumble in quotation marks because his arm went forward and the ball went forward. It really could have been a fumble, but uh, Cameron Curl caught it, who also had a really, really nice bounce back game. I'm not going to mention anywhere else. So it was an interception. That was really another strip sack for Chase Young, or it's an interception, whatever you want. He's not going to get any official credit for it, uh, but he should. Um, But he was credit for five total pressures in this game. He was all over. All over Teddy Bridgewater. And you know what? He had another sweet goal line tackle where he came screaming down off the edge, uh, made the play. And I, I think Chase Young is becoming, like, we, we know. We've seen what he's doing against the run. We've seen what he's doing against the pass. But more, like, specifically, he's becoming, like, such a force at the goal line. Cause it's like every week uh, now Washington, I mean, they're usually in these goal line stand uh, situations, and he uh, and the defense is always good because that front's so good. But Young is making a monster play every time the offense gets down there seemingly and like even when he wasn't making the tackle he was just fucking the place up so he was just such an easy choice this week and he's defense rookie of the year uh yeah i mean uh, this was obviously your game but he uh he he just looked like an absolute monster everything i saw from just everything you wanted chase young to be he is um i mean he halfway through the season we're like yeah he like it's ham it's jeremy chin it's uh, maybe Antoine McBeal Jr. Down the stretch, it's been like it's, ju- it's yeah, yeah, Blackman. It's just Chase Young. Like no one's even close to him at this yeah. point. No, and Jeremy Chin's still playing well, but he just he took over. Um, I put a different pass rusher. Um, from Charlotte, actually, he plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Alex Highsmith had a huge bounce back game. Um. He was a big part of the reason they were able to come back against the Colts. He got uh, a, a nice quarterback hit that caused an interception at one point. He ended up with two QB hits. He looked so much more, uh, maybe not, I don't know if confidence is the right word, but uh, like his ability, like his, his 
jump off the snap and he was uh, keep in mind Anthony Costanzo wasn't playing he was he was beating up on yeah. the back of, <laughs> uh, offensive lineman but like again he he looked bad the week before or not bad just not very impactful and then he just kind of ate Will Holden alive his his ability to kind of um, his get off his dip and rip like he looked clean he. he uh, like him and I mean TJ Watt's the dude and TJ Watt was playing like a defensive player of the year, but Highsmith was winning his one on ones and it was throughout the game and he in the second half he looked so much better against the run too and yeah it was a good a nice little bounce back I didn't have anybody who was like an absolute stud like you have with Chase Young but I thought Alex Highsmith deserves some credit for uh, what he did against the Colts. It's a good pick and I, again like you said. <laughs> Costanza was out, but, uh, Smith was out too for for what that's worth. But um, it was just like a perfect confidence building game for Highsmith, and he he came up huge down the stretch. Like you said, uh, the, the the big hit on Rivers. Yeah, no, that's a good pick. Uh, who's your worst rookie? <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> I'm giving it to Devin Asiasi. Uh, I I don't know, he sucks, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I put him for okay, not ready so- to play. Yeah, he sucks. Okay. He had, what, uh, no catches on two targets, but that wasn't even the real deal. Uh, they had him pass blocking a lot, and he was absolutely brutal. I think multiple pressures. Like, some of those chip and go, but, like, just not doing enough uh, with the fucking contact. Yeah, multiple pressures came off his side. Uh, and then run blocking, too. He, he looked bad. I think there was one when Sidham was in there where, like, I, I don't even know who it was, but the, the Bill player came off the edge and kicked his ass and got the tackle. And he just looks so, like you said, not ready to play and just looks so confused. Like I said, he doesn't catch the ball. He doesn't block well. Uh, what's he doing? It, it was a bad pick. AJ and Rob are right again. What else is new? Uh, AJ is wrong, actually, because my worst rookie is Michael Jacket or whatever his last name is that you were talking up like two weeks Jaquette. ago. Or, yeah, Jaquette. Michael Jaquette. Hey, I, it was... You had him for like it a was bad last thing, week and I put him. Yeah, you had him for a bad yeah. thing, but you just kept talking about how good he actually is, and he's he made horrible. plays. Yeah, he's I know. Horrible. Yeah, he was terrible. He was terrible. Uh, yeah. he, he gave up 180 <laughs> receiving yards to the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, I felt really bad. Like he shouldn't be playing, but he asked you because the Eagles have nobody. Um, what like Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and C. Lamb destroying him. Uh, he, <laughs> yeah. like he didn't look like he's rosterable is how bad he was. No, he was terrible. And like I said, last week he gave up the yardage, but it was like tough yardage against DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm like, that's not bad. And then he had the, uh, he didn't get credit for the sack or the strip, but it was basically a strip sack in Kyler Murray. And they made a couple nice plays and forced the fumble on Hopkins. So he was making plays, but he was bad in coverage. And this week the play the playmaking wasn't there. He was just bad in coverage. Uh, I already mentioned AJ. Sorry, D- sorry a- Michael. AJ Dillon's my primetime starter. Do you have somebody else? No, I just put AJ Dillon. He, there was really no other uh, big primetime rookie performances. Um, for underwhelming, I put both the Alabama receivers, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. If Michael yeah. Jaquette didn't exist, Jerry Judy would have been my worst rookie. Um, he had five drops. He had 15. Like, Drew Locke's only thrown to him. He's dropping, like, everything. If he caught some of those passes, they'd probably win this game. He dropped one in the end zone. He dropped one deep. It was bad. It was so uncharacteristic. He still finished with six for 61. But, uh, like, and he was getting open because his route running is so magnificent. Uh, but, yeah, then just dropping a lot of things. Drew Locke, I mean, he played bad, too, but, uh, there was, I don't know, it, 
was not something you expected because it's not something that really like he doesn't have the same ball skills of Devonta Smith, but it, like drops didn't plague him at Alabama or anything. So it was kind of just you know what you know what I found we- weird is I saw like one tweet that, that got some traction. It's like if you're surprised by Jerry Judy's drops, you didn't watch his tape, which I thought was like I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, and like you said, it's not like the ball skills were off the goddamn charge, but I, I don't fine. think a five drop game. Yeah, I don't think a five drop game was anything anyone would have predicted, and. He's been struggling through yes. the football a little bit. I've, and I know, this, even when he's catching, it's been a lot of double catches. This, this is yeah, it's yeah. been it's been kind of a bit of an all year thing with him and, and double catches especially. Actually, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. And kind of making plays, I guess, through contact. But this, like, the wide open drops are not something that I previously expected out of him. Um, but like, he had one. In the back of the end zone, he had one on a deep, like uh, a deep uh, over the middle ball. Uh, those were the two biggest yeah. ones, but I, I don't know. It's a, I just kept thinking, like he's getting so open, and once Cortland Sutton's back, and like Tim Patrick's been quietly one of the their best playmakers. Like, yeah, they, they have a good group of wide receivers. Um, I, I don't know. I I. I think he's gonna bounce back, uh, and then with Henry Ruggs, it's just they don't they don't care to get involved. In. I don't know. He had I, it two, pisses me off. I've just stopped thinking about it. Two targets, one carry, played sixty nine percent of the snaps. They don't try to use his speed ever. It's bizarre. It's like they just ignore the fact they took him uh, top fifteen. That he runs sub four three. There's the first receiver off the board. They do not care about that, and like. Darren Waller's amazing, but imagine if you could yeah. get Darren Waller a complimentary player like Henry Ruggs. But yeah, they don't care. So just just run Waller and Ruggs deep every play, uh, and I don't know that should work. Shouldn't it? <laughs> How are you gonna stop it? Uh, speaking of tight ends, my underwhelming performance, and this one I'll, I'll break it down. But it wasn't like it, it was, he was specifically bad. Uh, but I put Harrison Bryant who had. What three catches for thirty seven yards? But in a game when uh, they had no wide receivers, and he yeah he put up those numbers on seven targets. Uh, I don't know. I just didn't think it was a great one. And and funny enough, he played more than Austin Hooper. Uh, but Hooper had fifteen targets on s- and caught seven of them for seventy one. But he wasn't good either. It was like those drops are just not getting to throws. So I don't know this. This I'm putting more on the Browns' uh, Baker, I guess, and the Browns' coaching staff because the really dumb thing about this game, obviously they're playing the Jets, they lost. But the dumb thing is they threw the ball 53 times. And I know they got behind in the game, but it was from it was from the start. And I don't know what the hell was going on. Like, uh, Jedrick Wills was out, and Kendall Lamb was getting abused. Like, I'm like, I, nothing about this game made sense. Uh, I did not understand what Kevin Stefanski was thinking. And you can't give coach of the year to anyone who lost to the Jets, in my opinion. So, so Brian Mag game should have been featured more, and I don't know what the Browns were doing. Um, it sounds like you're a Baker Mayfield apologist, uh, but <laughs> no, he wasn't very good either. Speaking yeah. of tight ends, I'm put I'm the Trout Troutman for uh, looks like a hit, just two catches, but for 45 yards. He had the big catch and run at the end. Um, but he plays mm-hmm. a ton, and he's 
very good in the uh, run game as a blocker. And that was a big piece of the Saints offense, obviously, in this game. I also put Cesar Rez here. It was kind of a 2-4 for looks like a hit because I'm so smart. Uh, but both of them just me too. very impactful against the Vikings. The Saints run for 264. Yeah. Seven rushing touchdowns, six to Alvin Kamara, one to uh, uh, the Dow who shall not be named, who got to stop Alvin <laughs> Kamara from breaking the touchdown record, six Sean Payton. Um, but Troutman's been really good in the run game this year. Uh, and he's like playing consistent snaps the back half of the season. I think next year, like yep. Jared Cooks, maybe like as he gets older, he's probably not going to be back either next year or the year after. And they've got a, a really solid replacement, it looks like, in Adam Troutman. Yeah, I, I, I think when it happened, we were both uh, fans of the pick, but. Uh, finding Troutman uh, on day three was was oh sorry uh, what well, was it? the second last pick in the third round so just yeah. before day three, uh, tr- trading up for him if I remember correctly yeah they traded up for him uh, that was that was huge uh, I love yeah. the pick and uh, yeah it's come up big time like like he um, sorry you're, you're, I, I'm not done go ahead yeah, like sorry. he he played more snaps <laughs> than Jared Cook yeah he's just so shy uh, Jared Cook kind of kind of washed a bit but no i definitely think like he's gonna come up big for them i mean already is but next year especially as a pass catcher and uh and then caesar is it's just like throughout the year he's been inserted into the lineup uh because of injuries obviously and yeah he's just been very solid and i thought he looked great against the vikings oh he did definitely uh no you went with maybe two understated performances i i went that way as well uh, I put put our guy Xavier McKinney, who uh, it wasn't a, some amazing game or anything. They lost to the Ravens, uh, but like uh, he he obviously he missed most of the year. Um, he's still coming back, getting his feet wet. He played sixty eight percent of snaps in this one, which was the most of his of the year. Uh, ended up with eight tackles, played most of the game kind of deep at free safety, and, and just looked solid. Like they didn't give up anything over the top at all. Uh, I don't think Jackson had any twenty plus yard uh, air yard completions. Uh, when it was like 20 yard completions, it was like to Andrews on the sideline. Um, and like, he came up, like I said, eight tackles came up and played the run pretty well. It was just a really steady, solid game from a guy that like, uh, like I said, missed the most of the year and coming back and, uh, Hey, maybe, maybe comes up big this week when they need him the most against the Cowboys. For my miss, I'll stick in the SEC and I'll go with uh, a guy. I pleaded the Texans to start and then they did. And then he sucked. Uh, how about Jonathan Grenard? Um, he played six bad. Sixty-two percent of the snaps against the Bengals. Bra- okay, in his defense, Brandon Allen's fucking awesome. Um, Brandon Allen <laughs> looked great, but Houston didn't get a single sack against the uh, against that Bengals offensive line. The offensive line, like, just like they, it wasn't like they were dominating. It was just like the Texans had nothing. It was weird. Oh, no. And so this is the like kind of the second time this year that Grenard's played starter snaps, and in both games he's had very little impact. Um, I'm starting to worry, AJ. <laughs> um, you know, I you know I had it as a miss actually. Uh, Jordan Brooks, I still don't like the pick, uh, but I was too low on him. I had him like borderline top 100. Uh, we know where he went. I don't need to say it. <clears throat> 27th, one pick before Patrick Queen. But anyways. Brooks was, like, awesome against the Rams this week. He led the Seahawks with eight tackles. Seven of those were solo. Had a TFL on Seattle's big goal line stand. Um, He was involved, like, in, like, every single play, including the fourth down run where he just blew it up uh, with KJ Wright. I actually don't know if he got credit, but they are both there. 
Yeah, man, he's fun. And hey, you know what most impressive thing about this? Like I said, eight tackles. That all came on twenty eight snaps. He's it's crazy. Like, like every time he's on the f- field, he's making huge impact. Yeah, he's what the Chargers thought Kenneth Murray was. That's that's a good point. And like, like yeah, I've mentioned him a couple times for flashing because in the back half of the season he started putting games together. He flies. Um, and like, it's, yeah, yeah, he flies. And we we knew he, you know, he was great attacking down. Yeah. Because uh, he had a shit ton of TFLs last year at attack. Uh, but I thought he looked pretty impressive in in the in the passing game. He kind of he makes like a little one every couple games. Um, I think he's gonna be really good. And like, yeah, it, KJ Wright's still a goddamn stud. He's and Bobby Wagner's probably. St- I love KJ Wright so much. And Bobby Wagner's still probably the best linebacker in the NFL. So they didn't really need him. But when I mean, it'll be KJ Wright's time up first. Um, if he, I mean, I don't know. He's instinctual as hell. He maybe he plays forever. But but when it's time's up for one of them, um, Jordan Brooks looks ready to slide in. Oh, Dwayne Haskins went unclaimed on waivers. Damn. Oh god damn it. Poor poor Dwayne. Uh bef- after I read this ad, AJ, I'll tell you about the two linebackers who went ahead of Jordan Brooks. But uh Oh, I, I got I got a linebacker too, so there we go. Jo- Jordan Brooks and, and Patrick Queen uh, went back to back. Fun. Uh but you know what else is fun? Manscaping. And support for Seven Rounds in Heaven is presented by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below the waist grooming offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of their ball hairs. If you let yourself go in 2020 while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. Manscaped is here to give a fresh start this year with their Perfect Package 3.0 that has all the right tools for the job. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce Nick's to your two best friends the third generation trimmer even has a light to give you the glow up you need in 2021 it's also time to freshen up down there this new year with a crop preserver an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer you already put deodorant on your armpits why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body and for the on-the-go freshness you'll love the crop reviver ball toner spray 2020 was awful so make sure your boys are refreshed and ready for the new beginnings in 2021. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and are hands down the best underwear you will ever wear. A guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020. Don't be that guy. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And... Your balls will thank you when you make millions of dollars at Bet Online using promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. College football bowl season's in the back half of it. We got 16 left. Well, as you listen to this, probably 14 left now. So uh, bet on those. Make them fun. I mean, maybe you don't care who wins the Valero Alamo Bowl, but if you had a lot of money on it, maybe you'd care a little more. But do it responsibly. And that's code armchair at Bet Online. Okay, I mentioned, I teased before those sick ad reads uh, about linebackers. My needs to step it up are both Kenneth Murray and Isaiah Simmons. Uh, Murray, who played the Broncos. Simmons, who played the 49ers. Uh, more so Simmons because just... Uh, Kyle Shanahan knows how to expose him. And he got exposed 
the, in the run game. Uh, he and he didn't play a lot either. No. They hit him again. Yeah, it was tough. It was a tough, tough look for him. Uh, he de- like I saw someone say on Twitter like he just doesn't look like he knows how to play in the box, which it sh- certainly doesn't look like he knows how. And then with Kenneth Murray, it just it feels like he's a step slow to everything uh, in the run game er, against the Broncos at least, and he was getting beaten coverage um, when covering tight ends. He just feels like like he's not horrible, but he's also like not good. He just not some like he doesn't look like he's yeah. gotten any better, and he's played a ton this year. Uh, yeah. And, like, he's a great athlete, but you don't – it, like, isn't translating to him making plays on the field. I'm glad we're doing this linebacker talk. Mine, mine's a little more positive. And he was the guy who went <laughs> between A.J. Dillon and Jeremy Chin. It's Willie Gay, who uh, played – uh, sorry, 72% of the snaps this game. That was his most by far this week. And he led the Chiefs in tackles with nine. Like, we saw him sticking his nose in the fan like, like we saw at Mississippi State. The athleticism was popping. Uh, but then there was a lot of the mental mistakes, and it was especially in the first half where, you know, just misreading plays, uh, misstapping, being out of position. Um, he wasn't very good in coverage. I think he gave up, like, two first downs to Keith Smith, who, if you don't know, is a fullback. Yeah, he's a great um, fullback. So, so, uh, he, he's a good fullback. Um, I think I saw him get, get pancaked once in the run. And then he kind of settled in in the second half, and we saw the potential that we saw in college, and he made a couple flashy plays. And, like, if he can keep that second half performance rolling into the playoffs, uh, it could be really big for the Chiefs. And like I think the good thing is though, we should see even more of him in Week 17. Um, let's see him get over uh, probably probably 75 snaps plus 75 percent of the snaps plus again. So like promising game, but a, a little messy. And uh, I'd like to see him just put it together. Um, the linebacker group's been weird, very very weird. Yeah, yeah, pretty weird. Uh, for not ready to play, I already mentioned the ass man, Devin Asiasi. Uh, I also put Jalen Rager, who I, I think before the game, I don't know if it was like Pelissero or Garofalo, one of those guys, tweeted like, the Eagles are waiting for that big game to come from Jalen Rager, and they like <laughs> yeah. expect it today, and then it like didn't happen at all. Uh, he had 30 yards on seven <laughs> targets, and it's just like you – part of it feels like they – He's not um, make like he's not getting he's not when the ball is in his hand you're not seeing those big splashy yak plays you saw at TCU yeah um, and for like, sure and, and but also there isn't like a lot of consistent like deep shots to him but also like defenses are prepared for that because he's the only person with speed in the Eagles pass catching court well Desha- after. Deshaun Jackson is back down. He made one big play, but, like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to put that much pressure on him, especially with a rookie quarterback. And he, he just – he's been such a non-factor a lot. Which, like, so is Henry Ruggs. It's been a weird group – or a weird rookie year because we've had such impressive rookie receivers like yeah. C.E. Lamb, like T. Higgins, like, obviously, Justin Jefferson and, like, like Chase Claypool. Michael Pittman's had his moments. There's been a lot of that. And then, like – Jalen Rager went a pick before Justin Jefferson. He's been a non-factor. And Henry Ruggs, who's the first receiver off the board, has been a non-factor. And Jerry Judy struggled with drops. So the depth of the receiver, the rookie receiver group has really stood out. But some of these top guys have kind of, I think, played below what was expected. 
Hey, and Van Jefferson hasn't gotten on the field, and he had a really bad drop this week too. And I know we we're both huge fans of his. Um, just to throw that in there, I, I think with Rager though, it's like I think it's it's on both parties where, um, clearly he isn't getting it done really, but they they've done a really poor job of fitting him into that offense and just finding ways to get him the football. Yeah, no, I like I I don't know. I they, they feel like well the whole. That's why I just want a whole offseason of them working with like yeah. Jalen Hurts, their quarterback. The offense is based around Jalen Hurts' skill set. Um, like I think you could get pretty creative with using Jalen Hurts' legs. And Jalen Rager is such a dynamic player in the open field, or at least he was at TCU, and taking advantage of that. And I don't know, maybe get a, hunt, a healthy Zach yeah. Hurts and healthy offensive line. They can't figure out their wide receiver position. That's it. When when Jackson caught that ball, I was excited for like a split second because I thought it was Rager, <laughs> and then I'm like, "Fuck, it's Deshaun Jackson." Uh, as old as time and still doing it. Best day three rookie. Oh no, I didn't see my not ready to play. My oh, God. I thought yours was also. But stop me if you heard this one. The ass man. No, 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 no. No, you think no, he's no, no, ready no, to I play? I mean, yes. <laughs> I think he's ready. He just can't do it. So, yeah. Ass, man. No, no. Stop me if you heard this one before. Uh, I put Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, and Matt Pert. <laughs> Who kind of like... Like, Thomas and Lemieux played the whole game. I think they both gave up a sack. They didn't look good at run blocking. Uh, and then Matt Pert only played 17 snaps. I think he gave up a couple pressures. Uh, I right tackle, that is. I like all three of these guys <laughs> coming to the draft. I don't know what you do with them. I, I, I mean, you have to. You're clearly you're bringing a new offensive line coach, so I think that just has to be the key to fixing all the woes. And like, I don't know, like like Lemieux, I guess you're not expecting too much from, but like, and like Pert, you, you haven't really gone on the field, but you know Andrew Thomas has been so bad, <laughs> and when he's been good, it's been like, oh, that's an okay game, and then when he's been bad, it's like, oh my god. Uh, and hey, they they got they get to face the Cowboys and still trying to win the NFC East this week. So let's see what happens. Um, okay. For best day three rookie, I went with uh, a guy we both watched play on Christmas. Harrison hand of the Vikings only played 21% of snaps, but came with the interception, broke up another pass. I loved him at temple. I'm happy to see him making impact <laughs> sporadically throughout the year for a fifth round pick. Pretty good. Uh, he also had a big special teams tackle. I love Harrison Hand. The Vikings season has been bad. Mike Zimmer said this is the worst defense he's ever coached. Um, but hey, you're playing a bunch of rookies, and I don't know. I I, I thought Harrison Hand had some good moments uh, in this game for a Vikings defense that didn't really have very many good moments. I I was also a huge Harrison Hand fan. I'm just, I just pulled up my big board. I had Dantzler and Hand back to back on my big board. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, Dan- Dantzler was like, I don't know. It was a bit of a down game, and Jeff Gladney was pretty bad. But, yeah, uh, Hand and, yeah, good pick. Um, I kept mine pretty simple. Um, LeJarius Sneed, who, like, it wasn't his best day in coverage, to be honest. But, like, it wasn't overly bad. It, it just not as solid as usual. But I, I just think it's so much fun how much they're letting him go after the quarterback. He had another sack in this game, um, two quarterback hits. And if they keep letting him do that, that's first of all, it's interesting as hell and fun. But that that's gonna be huge in the playoffs, and I think he's gonna be pretty rock steady. He's he he's one of the top five most important rookies uh, in the playoffs for sure. Um, for best undrafted rookie, I put JJ Taylor. He had that big run 
against the Bills. I want more J.J. Taylor it, playing time in Week 17. That's that's my start the ruck. Yeah, I that's <laughs> let's just I'll fucking let's talk about him. Yeah, like you said, what twenty eight yards on that that long one, thirty eight yards total. I yeah, I want to see him get like ten to fifteen touches this week. Let's see what he's got because he's flashed when he's gotten the ball. Um, it, we, he kind of disappeared in the middle of the season. I, I he got hurt, but like uh, early in the season he, he was showing up, and then we saw uh, two nights ago, whenever the hell you listen to this podcast. Uh, yeah, so I totally I totally agree. Let's let's see him get ten to fifteen touches. It was kind of like. Like, I'm glad they gave him a few more towards the end, but I was like, like James White was still out there. I'm like, this could be JJ Taylor touches. Um, yeah, he he fits the mold of uh, being Deion Lewis. So I mean, what else do you need? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I went. I don't know. Like he wasn't that good, but I wanted to point out Jamarcus Bradley, the the Browns receiver who had to step in. Had five catches for 60 yards. One of them was, like, a really nice toe drag on the sideline. Uh, and then on another one, uh, Baker had him wide open uh, down the sideline in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think he ran, like, a, a nice sluggo, which got wide open, and Baker missed him. Um, I think he looked good enough that, like, he can hang on an NFL roster. And, uh, hey, that's good for UDFA. I've got one more. Parnell Motley of the Broncos, who was on his third team uh, this year. And he looked pretty good when he was in there against the Chargers. He only played 26% of the snaps, but feisty, feisty. And, I mean, no one really <laughs> did anything when he was in there, so. There we go. Um, Ricky, who flashed? I'm just going to rattle some off quickly, then I'll let you go ahead. Um, okay. C.D. Lamb had a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Four touches, 84 yards, two scores against the Eagles. I think C.D. Lamb would have maybe not been right there with Justin Jefferson, but been at least more in the conversation for offensive rookie of the year if Dak didn't get hurt. Um, T-, mm-hmm. T. Higgins was the Bengals' go-to man against the Texans. He had a wonderful touchdown catch uh, through contact in the, in the left uh, corner of the end zone. And he had a couple uh, just – he looked so natural tracking the ball, a couple downfield plays, six for 99. And then Justin Jefferson just, I mean, quietly six for 85 against the Saints – and then Jonathan Taylor looked awesome in the first half against the Steelers, and then kind of Pittsburgh put it together and slowed him down. Ended up with 74 yards, two scores. Um, I think, like, he looks like the guy he was supposed to be originally, and he's looked that yeah. way the last couple of weeks. He looks like he's going to be the Colts bell cow for the next couple of years. Yeah, you know, we see a lot of guys hit a rookie wall, but it was kind of opposite with Jonathan Taylor where he just – something clicked and he figured it out, and – Suddenly he looked like Wisconsin Jonathan Taylor. He's been great. Um, huge, huge if they can get into the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to give you two Falcons to start and the hierarchy ones. Uh, Matt Hennessy got the start this week, and he looked pretty solid. And remember, I was a huge fan of his. Um, I only watched this game live, but I didn't see him give up anything in pass pro. Uh, looked decent run blocking. Not like an amazing, like, oh, my God, what an eye-popping game by any means, but a promising, promising game for him to, to get a start. And on the other side for the Falcons, uh, AJ Terrell uh, just locked solid in coverage, man. Uh, I I don't remember him giving up anything, and obviously this was the best passing uh, attack in the league when the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, just a clean game, broke up pass, and nearly had an interception in the end zone. He should have caught it. He did catch it. He lost it when he hit when he hit, uh, when he wow my god when he hit the ground it popped up. Uh, that sucks, but it was still like a damn impressive uh, game from AJ Terrell. Uh, and then I'll, I'll throw two quick hitters. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, because I asked for more touches on this show last week, 
uh, we got it. He had 15 carries for 62 yards uh, and a catch for 70 yards. He looked okay. I, he looked better than Leonard Fournette. <laughs> he looked pretty good in pass protection yeah, at did. times. Um, he, he looks like an all right running back too. So that's pretty good. I, I'm hey asked and answered. Thank you, uh, Bruce Arians. And uh, hey, I, I, I'd be I'd be remiss in my duties if I didn't mention uh, Tyler Johnson with that one year, uh, that one catch for 35 yards. I just wish Antonio Brown wasn't on this team for many reasons, but one of them being is I would have loved to see a Tyler Johnson get more time and more looks. I agree. I hey, we 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 love Tyler Johnson. I know, I know, and I think like we've seen it in spurts, and I think Brady like he he's had moments with him. I think he can glob onto there, but stupid AB. Um. Okay, my out of nowhere rookie is a guy we saw dominate Mac Shin for uh, a couple years at Miami of Ohio, and maybe you forgot about him because I did. But instant impact against the Bears. With a tackle for loss. Doug Costin got the start at nose tackle for the Jags. And, like, yeah, they got fucked up by the Bears. But he played 68% of snaps. And I thought, like, he looked like a rosterable, rosterable NFL defensive lineman. And he was holding it down at nose for them. I uh, I liked what I saw out of uh, the old uh, Red Hawk. <laughs> go, go, Red Hawks. Um, my, my pick is lame. But I, I, my out of nowhere rookie was that the Panthers rookies got pass, uh, pass rush to this week. So I put Derek Brown and uh, Utero Gross Matos together. Uh, Matos had two pressures and a sack. Derek Brown had two pressures on his own and two batted passes. Uh, Bra- Brown has turned it on. Brown has turned it on, and we've we've seen what like he's looked like a first round pick the last couple weeks. Um, that that's huge for the Carolina Panthers. And Gross Matos has flashed enough that uh. You feel pretty good about that pick too. So this this is big for Carolina, and um, I mean we 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 know it all year, but Matt rules Matt rules building something there. And I honestly I I, I don't know if Joe Brady's uh, gonna get a head coaching job because partially they'll be, be huge. Yeah. Like uh, he's pretty young. Uh, well, he's very young. Um, maybe there won't be as many head coach firings as we initially thought with like the Chargers and the Eagles, for example. Uh, and, and like yep. obviously the top of the list, it's like Brian Dable, Eric Bieniemy, Robert Sala, Arthur Smith. Like I don't know, if, like Joe Brady's not going to get a job over those guys, I don't think. So I, I'm hoping he's back, and they end up with a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. That would be yeah. That's that's exactly what I'm hoping as well. And like even like I don't know if we expected him to go back to college, but those those jobs are drying up fast too, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and that'd be so, so, so huge for the Carolina Panthers if they can get him for another year. And with with you know this defense coming on, maybe they, uh, maybe if they get the right rookie quarterback, they, they make some noise next year. Um, finally, my start the rook is Antonio Gandy Golden, who I know he like healthy. He he technically I think he started uh, this past week, but start him again because Dwayne Haskins didn't really help him very much. Um, it was his first game back since week six. Uh, you don't like Terry McLaurin. I don't think he's gonna play this week. He was in a walking boot last I heard. Just start start the the gold man and throw a couple fifty fifty balls because that was his bread and butter at Liberty. Uh, hopefully Alex Smith is playing, or you know maybe maybe Taylor Heineke. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just I, I I think the Taylor Heineke Gold Gandy Golden connection that's that's the one, baby. Old Dita Liberty. That's a 
you know yes those roots run deep um but yeah i just i don't know like you got nothing else let's let's like heavily target gandy golden he had three last week played 83 percent of the snaps let's give him 100 percent of the snaps and target him 15 times give him like 10 jump ball opportunities yeah and uh a bunch of screen passes isaiah right damn right rob yes who you got I told you, J.J. Taylor, I think that's... Oh, right. I just want to see him get 10 to 15 touches. I mean, yeah, they're not please. playing for anything, so let's just make... 25 touches, says I. <laughs> and hey, my, my, my wish came true with Keyshawn Vaughn last week, so maybe I'm on a roll here. Let's see. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.